Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. I'm your host Michael, and on the other side with me is Rob Antikara. How you doing? Uh, how you doing? <laughs> All so, right. Thank you, for, thank you for having me on the uh, show. It's um we we've been discussing kind of wrapping up uh, Trash Cinema once we hit to a hundred episodes, but. It's been a long road, everybody. I'm glad you've been along the journey. So this episode, discussing two urban thrillers, uh, Fear City and Deadbeat at Dawn. And um, you actually made me realize <laughs> I've been watching the wrong damn movie for years. I was watching Dead End City thinking it was the same movie. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually um, watched uh, Dead End City on your recommendation, the when when you told me that I ended up actually watching Dead End City and uh, I actually enjoyed Dead End City. Yeah, I just for some reason and I think it's because I put them on my list when Netflix started twenty years ago, people. Twenty years, it's a long ass time. And uh, in my queue, I had both movies. I'm almost certain I had both movies, and somewhere along the way, I just got confused on which was which, and so convinced I had seen it, and then I saw. Like, the poster, I was like, that doesn't look familiar to me. And I watched it, and holy shit, I'm in love with this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, uh, Deadbeat at Dawn? Uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you out. Yeah, what I was going to say was, they both have a very handmade quality, both from around the same era, late 80s. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of stunts that you can't fucking believe. There's one that I'm certain the guy in Dead End City did wrong, and he's dead now. <laughs> mm, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know that's that stunt actually reminded me from one um, from uh, Terminator Two. Remember the, the the sequence of Terminator Two when um, the T1000 is chasing after John Connor, and like he takes over the truck and he throws the the guy out the truck, yeah. and you can clearly see the guy smack his head against the street. Oh, I never noticed that before. I gotta watch that again. Yeah, and, and, and James Cameron on the commentary track for Terminator 2, he states that the stunt coordinator told the guy specifically to tuck his head in when he hit the street, to tuck your head, tuck your head. And the guy didn't do that and smacked his head against the pavement. Oh, God, and, it's gotta hurt. Yeah, and... um. The stunt coordinator was so pissed, he made the guy do the stunt again. Oh, my <laughs> God! <laughs> well, the thing that we see, real quickly, we're not going to discuss the movie, but Dead End City has a stunt where the guy hesitates and, and like, gets nervous yeah. and doesn't do the stunt right. And then when he does go, it's almost as if his head folded into his chest like a Transformer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if he didn't die, I'm pretty sure he got a concussion. Oh, yeah. Like, like a serious, like, just massive concussion because... Like, the way his head smacked that pavement, it was just like, oh. <laughs> the, uh, the the funny thing is, Deadbeat at Dawn looks like it's even lower budget than uh, Dead End City, and yet every stunt somehow works. It never looks like it's poorly planned. It, it looks amazing, and I don't think... It's clearly a non-union shoot, and there's no way that they had proper training. They just somehow got it right. Right. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's uh, it's it's a tribute to uh, uh, Jim Van uh, Bever who, who who made the movie. He uh, he he had like a he had a vision and you know he had a specific thing he wanted to get across, and like he was very persistent. Like the the funny thing is, I was thinking, um, uh, I had, matter of fact, you had watched it too, um, around the same time I did. Uh, 
Dolomite is my name. Yeah. And um, I, I'm for certain that you could do the same kind of movie about the production of Deadbeat at Dawn. Yeah, I like, wonder. Like, it's almost like... No, go ahead. The, you know, the Arrow release is the only one that's really given a lot of special features, but I wonder if there are like documentaries on that, the making, you know, what went right, what went wrong. Um, I just watched like a YouTube version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Arrow version like has like like a, a serious retrospective, not just on WHL, but um, on James Van Bever as well. And um, like this, the, the amount of stuff that he went through to, to, to get that movie finished, just like, Jesus Christ, you could just make a movie about that in itself. Oh yeah, well, it's, it's like The Evil Dead, where it took years to get it going, and you can almost see the difference in the film. He must have shot it chronologically because you see like in the beginning, it almost feels like a completely different film than the last half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I think he took four years, they said. I'm thinking about four years it took him to uh, fully complete the, the, the film. Like, you can literally see, like, the he's, like, fresh face at the beginning, and then, you know, he's getting older, and then there's that midway point where it's just, like, he's obviously, he's got the beard, you know, he's obviously much older than he was at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like a few weeks later, <laughs> like a few weeks later, and then all of a sudden he's like, he's obviously years older. The, uh, was it, I, I remember that happened with the David Carradine film, I can't remember the hell the name of it is, but he starts shooting in 71 and 72, and he never got enough money to finish it until like 1983, I think it's called Americana, and you watch and you go, oh my god, half his hair is gone, and he's about 40 pounds heavier, and his face is sagging. This is not thought out at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The the, sto- the story basically is about this punk kid. Uh, I mean, we're not even talking like normal punk. This is like the lowest of the low, the scummiest of scum in Midwest oh, yeah. America, trying to uh, grow up and be a, a you know like a husband and get out of the gangs, and something goes horribly wrong with his fiance, and he comes back and helps. <laughs> right. that, that, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. That was horrific, but it's, it, it, then it turns into, he has to team up with his old gang and his rival gang to do a heist. And it's like, that's an extra level. They didn't even need to do in such a low budget movie. Cause usually it's just point A to point B. There's no, you know, zigzags mm-hmm. and, and, you know, different layers. Oh yeah. 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 It, it, it was, was funny too, is about the, the whole, he has the, you know, team up with the, the, the his old gang who teams up with the rival gang in order to like the the way is is, uh, is is are we giving spoilers away? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, and so like you know the whole the whole plot like them teaming up together is they're going to rob an armored car, and um like it's the old gang teaming up with the rival gang and they want him in there for some reason. Now, when I first watched this movie, I was like. Well, it's obviously leading to the fact that we're, we're going to have this revelation that the the old, like his old gang, uh, the Ravens, they set him up. Like, you know, for, for the speak, like when he died, it's going to be like this big old plot twist. Like, yeah, they were behind the murder of his uh, girlfriend all along. And it's like, no, they're just stupid asses. Yeah. And the bank like, heist seems like, like such like, low like, money. Oh. It wasn't like just like $1,000 or right. something pathetic. Like, yeah, it's, it's just like a little-ass bag of money. It, it, it reminds me of, like, uh, you ever seen that movie Killing American Style from uh, Amir Shervin? 
the no. uh, with um, uh, Robert Zadar. Uh, and, and that movie, uh, Armin Sherman, as you know, is the director of uh, the infamous Samurai Cop. And Robert Zadar leads a gang, and they do a robbery, and they rob like like the sort of like a ice cream truck facility. <laughs> And they take like these little two bags of money, and that's what I was thinking about the first time I watched this. I'm like, Jesus Christ! And it's like, like, how many gang members were there? Like, to split across the most, like, like twenty gang members, and it's like you're splitting this one bag of money. Yeah, it's enough for groceries, everybody. We all could have gone to prison. Good job. <laughs> oh yeah, like, like that one, that one dude. They they snapped his neck all the way around, and it's like, oh yeah, like you know, like. You're you're getting your money's worth for that. Well, it's it's funny. It's almost um, poetic that it is that way because these guys are real low rent. If you would think of like how the outsiders are, you know, in Texas and stuff like mm-hmm. that, where it's like North Dakota, Iowa level of punks, it, it's that low level. It's 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 almost trauma level of lame gangsters. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like they're 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 the lowest of the low. Uh, when it comes to just like just gang stuff, you know, it's just like this bottom of the barrel, just like just the absolute sickest and depraved that you could think of when it comes to like gang stuff. Yeah, it's one like, they, step they, they, above. They literally, the... have you ever seen Street Trash? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. one step above that. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, totally. Um, is it's just like then like their first fight scene is in a graveyard. You know, and it's just like they just have this, just like this massive brawl in the graveyard, and it's like, Jesus Christ, this is where we're starting off. <laughs> you know, they didn't have a permit for that either. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. Like, like it was obviously just everything in here was just shot on the fly, you know. But you know, credit to him, like you know, he got it done, and it was like. What what, what strikes me about Deadbeat at Dawn is how artfully, like you know, like you know like, artistic it is, you know, like, there was obviously, you know, a lot of care handled in, you know, getting the visuals, it's not like, you know, you, like, you see certain movies like that with a low budget, and they're just worried about getting everything in the can, you know, but, like, uh, Jim Grant uh, Bever, he was really just focused on getting the visual aesthetic down packed, and it's just, sometimes it's like, it's, 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 it's so low budget, it's beautiful to look at, you know? Yeah, I almost like rather watch. After... Yeah, I almost rather watch like a, a film shot on grainy sixteen because it has a visual aesthetic. Where it, you know, I want to see some generic, you know, shot on thirty five millimeter, but with no vision whatsoever. Right, right, right. Like that scene where after the, the girlfriend is killed and and he he dumps her body in the trash compactor. <laughs> like and even it, it, it's 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 even just it's so grotesque it's funny. Like you just have to laugh like. Like, it's, it's obviously sad that, you know, like, you know, the way that this, the scene where he discovers his girlfriend's dead body is, is, like, well handled. But then he just, he dumps her body in a trash compactor, and you just hear the crunching, and he's just like, oh, I'm going to make them pay. And it's just like, good lord. Yeah, it's, he had a dark <laughs> sense of humor. He had to have known that scenes like, okay, when he's on the hill... Uh, doing his martial arts, dead serious, throwing the Chinese darts, and he just runs down the hill, kicks some guy off his motorcycle, and just takes it. There's a dark humor to that. Right, 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 absolutely. Like he, he knew what he was doing. He absolutely knew what he was doing. But um, 
the scene afterwards where he's just like he is, um, he's just walking through the streets, just completely destroyed emotionally. Like I guess going to his his, his father's house, because his father is is another story. But um, as he's walking through the streets and just the way he just you know the way that that whole montage is handled as he walks through the streets, it's like very just very beautifully done. Like you know, this is it's it's like you know. Like, I, I can't even find the, 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 the words to describe it, but it's just like, you know, you just get entranced, you know, it looks like this, like, this is beautiful, low-budget art here. Yeah, well, it's hyper-reality almost. It, there's a, a quality to it that's dreamlike and, like, an mm-hmm. alternate universe. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I also love that the, the bystander is just, like, looking at him, like, as he's walking by. Because, like, it's obvious that these are bystanders, like, oh, these guys are shooting a movie, but like the, the the simple fact that he's walking and he's almost like he's kind of covered in blood, so you can kind of take it like, hey, what's going with this guy? You know, so it works in both, you know, both fashions. You know. Yeah, I you know I I really enjoyed the scene with his father. That guy, I guarantee you, that guy at one time was like, I'm gonna make it in Hollywood. It's the 1950s. I've got it made. Fast forward 30 years later, well, I'm in the local theater. I'm no longer part of the union. There's a movie shooting in my town. I'm going to give it everything I got. <laughs> that guy was actually a replacement. Um, the, really? Wow. They actually hired another Yeah, they actually hired another guy to play the father and he never showed up. So he he had to quickly look for another guy and the audition called for him to take off his shirt. Like he said, just take off your shirt and, and and he takes off his shirt and and Trevor looks at him and goes, "Yeah, you'll do." <laughs> that was about it. Um yeah, I would say this is one definitely to check out. If you're into like the lower budget grindhouse self-made kind of movies, I, this is definitely top shelf. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, one thing also like uh, for for the amount of you know money he had, um, I think he he started working on the movie with a budget of like ten thousand, which was the remainder of his 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 student loans. Like he did two years in college and then like just dropped out and took the remainder of his student loan and used it to, to, to fund the movie. And uh, like the, that, like the, the amount of stuff, like I don't know how much he uh, accumulated after that, but like he is, you just got to give him, just got to give that man credit, all, all the credit in the world for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you ever seen any of his other movies? I have not. Um, but, uh, I know on the Arrow Blu-ray, he, they have like like uh, a, a collection of I think like three or four of his short films. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have like a few uh, of his short films on there. Um, I I know I know uh, the um, the the other the other big one that he has is uh, his film on the Manson family. Yeah, I think I think mostly he's done horror since then. I would like to see him go back to some kick-ass action film because he clearly has an eye on how to yeah. shoot movie on you know yeah. a tight budget that's yeah. still exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the, the that that's the that's the the, the the stuff that takes me on like you know because you know I live for that kind of stuff like you know the action and um, the the action sequences he does have in it is just like. Um, like I discovered this movie from uh, the, the YouTube channel, The Cinemasticus. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Cinemasticus. No, I have not. And um, he spe- yeah, he specializes in like this kind of movies and stuff. That's how I discovered 
this movie particularly. And um, he described the movie as basically like almost like a a, a down and gritty version of uh, like like let's see, uh, Streets of Rage. Um, and it's like like when I finally saw the movie, it's like yeah yeah that I, I would definitely agree with that. It's almost kind of like that video game mentality, like the beat 'em up sequences. Uh huh. Like like you, you're very reminded of like that kind of, like, you know, arcade game, beat-em-up mentality, like, like he said, like, Streets of Rage, like, when, like, the, the climax at the, the big fight scene at the train station, it's just, like, it's just, like, just this glorious orgy of just ass-kicking. <laughs> yeah, he just goes through all those guys, mows them down, like, yeah, he does feel like a level in a video game. Next level, boom, the yeah. boss level. <laughs> Right, absolutely, and um, I, I have to say that uh, not only that, but he's like the the, the best on-screen uh, usage of uh, nunchucks I've ever seen since Bruce Lee. Like, the way he's whipping them nunchucks around is just godly. Yeah, it's not an easy, that's why you don't see it very often, the nunchuck is really hard to control. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think we're oh, supposed yeah. to look like Chris Farley if <laughs> we had nunchucks whacking ourselves in the head. Son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah totally but like you know the way he's just whipping them joints around and it's just like jesus christ like he, he was obviously he obviously like you know knew what he was doing with them joints and i was just like it, it's 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 just it's just crazy to watch him go with them you know and it's just like but like going back to the same like the this it's it's like the the video game kind of mentality beat him up uh like come to life, you know, uh-huh. and I just, I just uh, absolutely just, you know, I, I just didn't get enough of the movie. It's like I remember um, first time I watched, it, I watched it with my girlfriend at the time, and we absolutely applauded at the end of it. <laughs> like, we, like yo, it was just like, like you know, we're sitting in the living room watching it, but it's like we were in the theater, like yeah, get him, goose, get him. Yeah, I wanted to watch it again. The minute I was done with it, I was like. Okay, because I wasn't fully paying attention for the first half hour because I have ADD and I have a stupid cell phone in my mm-hmm. hand at all times, it seems. But I was like, I feel like I need to go rewatch this again. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. totally. It, it really gives you that uproarious, like, you know, feeling that, uh, yeah, yeah, I want to watch this. You know, I want to watch this again and again and again and again. It just has that energy, like just that manic energy to it. Yeah, but I think I think that's what's missing from our second film is it's it's from another self-made director who um, mm-hmm. not necessarily known for amazing action sequences, but he he was always really a, good with a, a tight budget. And I've revisited Fear City like three or four times now, and it's one of those almost movies. There's elements that I absolutely love about it, but something doesn't line up for me, and I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, like Fear City is more like just. Like, in, in, in doing research on Fear City, because I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, or, you know, before um, we decided to what we wanted to talk about, and um, I decided to do some research on it, and I, I'm not surprised that that's the one, that's the movie where um, uh, Abel Ferrer's uh, fans kind of turned on him, because that's the, that's the movie that they consider that he sold out. Yeah. Because, like, you know, he was... Like, they were used to him doing, like, stuff like, you know, The Driller Killer and, and Miss 45. And that was kind of, like, his big budget. I think it was funded by 20th Century Fox. 
Um, and, um, no, it's a uh, shit. It's the company that did Dreamscape. They sold all the rights to their stuff to uh, to Shout Factory recently. Damn it! But I, I do believe. Okay, so they own the right Castle Hill. It's Castle Hill is the production company. But I think you're right. I think they sold the theatrical rights to Fox. And then sold the video rights to, I want to say, HBO or Thorn EMI. It was one of those big, classic, white, big boxes for the VHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, he had, he had like, a much bigger budget. And, obviously, he had, like, bigger stars. You know, he had Tom Berenger, Moe Griffith. He had Bill D. Williams in there, you know what I'm saying? So, it was kind of, like, a much bigger production than his fans were used to. And they were kind of, like, you sold out, you know. Yeah, but it's still like, incredibly it's sleazy, of, though. That's a thing. Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely one hundred percent sleazy. It's like I don't know how you can sit there and watch Fear City and think that uh, he was doing anything other than you know this is just the right amount of sleaze that you should be used to. I mean, it, it doesn't go as far as uh, bad lieutenant sleaze, but uh, it, it's 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 fairly sleazy. Like it, you know. You're getting you're getting your you know your able forever words when you watch Fear City. I have a fascination with uh, New York during this time period before they cleaned it up, made it I love New York, like late seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties, where you got the neon, you got Forty Second Street, you got all the hookers and the strip clubs, porno theaters. I love watching the marquees as they go by and seeing what movies play to the grindhouses. Uh, it just visually, yeah, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, like I, I, I am too. Like one of one of my great, uh, like one of my favorite things is, um, I love to listen to stories. Like my father grew up in those times, like the seventies, and uh, he used to frequent Forty um, Second Street. Like him and his buddies, they would go to the to the theaters and watch like double features of like uh, Bruce Lee and Sonny Chiba, you know, and they would just hang out, like you know. And, uh, like, then, like, you know, just, like, and to listen to him tell those stories about, like, just hanging around at those times, it's like, like, yeah, we used to be up in the balcony, you know, we smoke a joint, you know, stuff, and just, like, and it's like, it's, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a lovely time, like, you know, it's, it's obviously, like, a rough and tumble time, you know, when you look at the, the level of sleaze and, like, like, the graffiti and all that stuff, but it's just, like, in retrospect, it's just such a beautiful time to have been alive because now, like, like for instance, like, you go to Forty Second Street now and James, like, the Disneyland. Yeah, the the amusement you know, like, park. I, I, uh, I really put. Yeah, I've never been to New York, but it yeah. feels like a lot of times when you see it now, it looks like just a giant tourist amusement park. Oh, it is. It is. I wouldn't be called Dead on Forty Second Street. Like, <sighs> it's just like just a tourist haven, you know. And then they got the like the, the the guys and shit and um like Iron Man suit and Batman out there. Oh no! Like, yeah, like it's it's a complete tourist attraction. Like you know, there there's no fun to be had over there unless you're a tourist. You know, it's like so like when to listen to my father tell those stories. Like you know, it's just like you know you tr- you're immediately transported to that time. You know. And and that's beautiful. That time is beautifully captured in in Fear City. Like, he, the, like Abel Fur, uh, as well as like like James Glickenhaus, like other filmmakers like that, they had a real eye for capturing that, like you know, the sleaze of the city, like like Fear City and also the Exterminator. You know, they paint such a vivid picture of something that was just 
completely just utterly just sleazy and trashy. Yeah, it's it's funny when you think about the studio films where they're showing like yuppies and they're in Manhattan and stuff and they're all wearing gray suits and huge shoulder pads. That wasn't the life for normal people. That was the dream they're trying to, you know, like Reagan was trying to sell you. Oh, everybody can be rich and be powerful in these big cities, you know. Yeah, but that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, you know, it's like the, um, in New York City, like, you know, I grew up all my life in New York City, and it's like, you know, it's always that, you know, tale, it's almost like a tale of two cities, you know. The... You know, you have that where people's like, "Oh, yeah, I would love to go there," and all that stuff, and it's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I grew up in you Indiana. Know, like, I never experienced any of the grindhouses, any of that kind of stuff. We had drive-ins like crazy, and that's usually where we caught our exploitation films. Right, right, right. Like I um, I would have loved to have been like a part of that staple, like you know, like the drive-in. Uh, theaters like I mean I I've gone to like drive-ins and stuff, but like you know like part of that back in the day when they would play like exploitation movies like that you know. Yeah, it's weird now because it seems like it's a oh it's it's families now. This is where we're gonna play a Disney film and we'll sell you an older film you know for five bucks and it's like no back then mm-hmm. you shoved as many people in your car and you go watch a kung fu flick or a sexploitation movie. Yeah 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 like um. I remember that's uh, where uh, the last house on the left did most of its business was uh, like at the drive-in. Like they specifically made it for that, like the last house on the left. Also, the Evil Dead. I remember uh, uh, listening to the interviews by like Rob Tapper and Sam Raimi talking about how they made the Evil Dead specifically for the drive-out, uh, drive-in, uh, like audience and stuff. Yeah. The uh, so uh, Fear City. To give you a quick plot. Uh, breakdown is it's, it's it's about two pimps, which is weird seeing Tom Berenger as a pimp. Honestly, that doesn't fit in my head. Um, and their girls are being killed by some crazed killer on the streets. And it turns out he's like a nutso kung fu master who wants to clean the streets of all the sinning. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so like out, outrageous, but it's so appropriate for the type of movie Fear City is. That is this. Like these, these these women, you know, are being murdered by this like almost like makeshift ninja serial killer type who does kata in the nude in like his loft. When I saw that scene, I kept thinking, oh, the beginning of Die Hard too. Yeah, that makes that's exactly the same thing. Right, 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 right. You absolutely think of like uh, Die Hard too, but it's like you know, it's like with with Die Hard two is kind of like just like. Oh, but like with um, with Fear City, it's kind of like I don't know, okay, like you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised that this man is doing kata in the nude, <laughs> and he keeps a journal that's actually titled Fear City, where he talks about his exploits of killing women. Well, it, it seems like Abel Ferrer's way of saying, "Look, this is the coming change. This ultra conservative." We, we were going to do these bad things in the name of our belief system. We're going to wipe the streets clean of sin and, and filth. And mm-hmm. Tom Berenger and shit. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Damn it. He was in. Oh, uh, his partner is uh, Jack Scalia. Jack Scalia, thank you. I kept thinking of the TV show Wolf. No one remembers the show Wolf. He was a detective. It lasted 13 episodes. It's great. <laughs> Um, he was also, I, I, I always remember him from the show Point Man. He was on the show oh, Point yeah, Man. I remember that on UPN. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
the uh, they seem to be more like the old school tough, like sixties and seventies guys, the neighborhood guys. Mm-hmm. I think I accidentally did a yeah. New York accent there. Sorry, very much offended. No, um, like, but like, for instance, like uh, Scalia's character, he's more like he's more like the the, the mouth and the, the 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 brains of the operation, where it's like it's almost like like like. Him and Barringer's characters, they're, they're partners, but, like, Barringer is more there for just show, for, like, muscle, because, like, uh, Barringer's character, as, as, as shown in the movie, he's an ex-boxer who quit after he, he killed a man in the ring. So, like, you know, and this is well known to everybody, so it's, it's out, like, when he shows up, like, there's obviously fear and trepidation because it's like, let's not piss this guy off. You know, because you know he he, he killed a man with his fist once. Yeah, the brains of the brawn. You know, we we haven't mentioned like you said besides Melanie Griffith, who I feel is wasted in this film. She's not given much to do. Before she was really a name, Radon Chung really mm-hmm. shines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and 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 what's crazy is that um, Ray, Radon Chung doesn't like isn't nearly given as much to do, but like what she's given. She absolutely utilizes every single second. Yeah. The only thing, I think, what I, the build up to the showdown for some reason to me, I, I, there's no Abel Froh not really an emotional director. He doesn't do, I guess, what I'm expecting. I like the cliche, huge bursting of music and fast editing, and maybe that's my problem. That's not his problem. Maybe I expected things that he mm-hmm. wasn't offering. Right. Right. Um. Well, I, with that, I mean, I mean, I, I was, I was perfectly fine with it because it's like, but I, the thing that strikes me about Fear City is the contrast between Berenger's character and uh, the, 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 the killer. So we're gonna have to give him a name because he's not named in the movie. He's not even named in the credits. Um, the, the, I just call him the Fear City Killer. Um, between Berenger's character and the Fear City Killer. Like, there's this just interesting contrast where Berger uh, is trying to, like, just walk away from violence, you know, because he has this regret of killing this man in the ring, the, the other boxer. And the, the, the Fear City Killer, he, like, he almost lives for the violence. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just working toward this confrontation between the two of them where Berger has to accept that he is a man of violence. It's, you know? It reminds me of Ten to Midnight a little bit. That that juxtaposition yeah. of the two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and it's just it's just beautiful. Like once, uh, like like you said, like you know, it's just you know, it's it's slow moving, but like it's very stylish, you know, and stuff. But once Derringer's character, you know, finally realizes that this is who he is and this is what he has to do in order to, you know, to remedy the situation, then it's just like you know. This, this own, it's just this head spin to this, you know, conclusion where it's like, all right, now it's about to go down. And, you know, and then you get this awesome montage where Berenger is stalking the city, looking for the sky, you know, and he's, he's in there in the sweaty hotel room and he's doing the, he's jumping rope and he's just shadow boxing. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's about to go down. It was like, I remember, um, I, I, I have a roommate, um, her name, her name is Di, and um, I showed her. She had never seen it before. And uh, that scene where um, 
the, the, the killer uh, corners um, Melanie Griffith in the, the alleyway, and like he's chasing her, and she's trying to get away, and then you look up, and Berenger's just standing there at the other end of the alley. She literally applauded, like, yeah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was awesome. You know what? I'm going to give that another shot. Uh, both these movies are free. Uh, well, okay. Deadbeat at Dawn technically is free on YouTube, but, you know, if you like it, go buy the Arrow Limited Edition. It's not that expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fear City is free on the Shop Factory app. And um, where can we catch your uh, work? Black oh, Blood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, you can catch, um, I, I have a blog, uh, com. Uh, or you can also catch myself on um, uh, Ultimate Action Movie Club UAMC, um, as well as uh, ActionFlix.com. Uh, shout out to you know Jordan at UAMC and John at uh, ActionFlix.com. Um, yeah, like you know, uh, that's that's really where I am. Uh, like, I'm trying to expand at the moment, but uh, that's really where you can catch my stuff at uh, my 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 writings. It's it's amazing the stuff you cover that no one else will cover. This stuff is my bread and butter. When I get I get so much grief from my co-host on video night, he's like, "You love those crappy PM movies and seasonal and imperial." And I'm like, "Yeah, that is my jam." <laughs> oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I, I was I was absolutely raised on that stuff. Like, um, like see, like it, like kids in the '80s they were raised on like you know VHS and like. I, I grew up like mostly in the '90s, like, and my stuff was like, like uh, action pay per view and Cinemax and stuff. Yeah. Was, like, well, I remember TNT TM used to air this stuff and, all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 and like you know where like move like PM movies used to have world premieres on HBO. You know, like I'm, I'm that old. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Friday nights on HBO. What got me so excited? That's where I would catch things that you know right before they hit video, and they're like, "This has Mark Dacascos in it, Rudger Hauer." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. Like uh, and like Gary Daniels stuff. Like I vividly remember um, Gary Daniels' movie Rage as a world premiere on HBO, and it was just like it was just, it was like going to the cinema, but like you know you're in your living room, you know. Yeah, and it was never like the low-budget garbage. There's always something. There's a reason why HBO bought it, because it had something special that was almost a theatrical release, but not bad enough to be dumped straight to video. Right, right. That was the, that was the beauty of PM Entertainment, that they, 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 they really tried their best to deliver theatrical quality action and entertainment on like a low budget for like the direct-to-video crowd. Yeah. The... Uh... So the, that, the, the funny thing, the, the funny thing is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, fine. Proceed. No, uh, well, I was saying, <laughs> no, I was saying that um, it's, it, it was funny, I was having a discussion with, it was like, with PM Entertainment and like New Image, like New Image was like their main rival and PM Entertainment was, uh, you know, uh, like the king and New Image was like the runner-up and stuff and it's like, and when it comes to like making like theatrical quality action, and it's funny too because now New Image actually does theatrical stuff, you know. But they do it under their banner Millennium. Yeah, it's it's and weird it's how like, that's the New Image doesn't exist anymore, right? They they basically got rid of that label. No, I no, I think the label was still there, like you know, but more for like uh, director video stuff. It's like it's like the like the main like title holder, but Millennium is like what they use for like their theatrical stuff. Okay. 
But that's that's kind of like your bread and butter. And if you're into that stuff, definitely check out like you know Cinema Drunkie and everything else he promoted. Uh, thank you very much for this episode. Um, I'll tell everybody he was a little nervous before, but he killed it. Uh, there's not a lot of people on here that killed the first time around. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, uh, I was a little nervous, but uh, I really had a great time, and, and I really, really appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for that. No problem. It's fun. Yeah. I, we got to do I, more. We got to find some more crazy movies to watch. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I got I got tons of ideas. You know, like you, you just you just let me know, and I got tons of other crazy stuff to choose. Alright, cool. So everybody check us out on Facebook under Video Night. You'll find the regular show there and these mini-sodes. And uh, have a good night. Have a good night.